day 261. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. I'm John. I'm Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to convince you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it uh, to look through it and see God. We don't come to it primarily to look at it and see ourselves. All right, John chapter nine. We're right here in the thick of things. Jesus Mm -hmm. is just uh, in John eight, talked uh, about how he's the light of the world. He said Mm -hmm. it, and now in John chapter nine, he's gonna show it uh, by healing this man that's born blind, right? And we've said Mm -hmm. this before, you know, the story starts off, uh, and as they approach this man that's born blind, the disciples just have this uh, simplistic way of understanding the world. And they look at Christ and they say, listen, uh, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born mm-hmm. blind? And Jesus is going to say, right, uh, what's been said here on this podcast before, right? Um, you can trace sins to their subsequent sufferings. I kill somebody, I go to jail. I rob a bank, I go to jail, right? Those things. But you can't always trace sufferings back to sin, right? We had a miscarriage. Does not mean there was something wrong that I did in my past and now that I'm being punished for. And Jesus Mm -hmm. is going to say, no, no, listen. This man's blindness, his brokenness in this area is not specifically about something that he's done wrong in the past. It is about something that God wants to do right in the future. This is gonna be a platform or the scaffolding that God is going to use to build or to put this compelling picture of who he is to the world. That I I just think that small part is something that's so instructive for us, man, especially as we look to our lives and think, think about our brokenness and Mm, heartache mm. not everything that has gone wrong in our lives is because we've done something wrong but it's because god wants to use us as the canvas or the backdrop to show something good about himself yeah absolutely man and again john has these seven signs and this is sign six right it's like and these signs are all trying to show jesus's identity right they're not haphazard they're not random they function in the narrative but they also seek to explicitly show who Christ is. Right. And kind of like you said, it came on the heels of John 8. And in John 8, he was talking to the Pharisees and they didn't get it. So in other words, he's doing, he's showing this sign here in this chapter to show that the Pharisees are those who are really blind. Yeah. Right? This again, John has these double entendres where he'll talk or do something physically and it's meant to highlight a spiritual truth. Right. Right. And so we see this man here, he's progressively going to realize who this man is. So in verse verse 11, he's like, oh, who did it? Ah, Jesus. And then, I mean, I just know his name was Jesus, bro. That's right. all I know. <laughs> verse 17, Pharisees ask, he's like, Pharisees ask, he's like, he's a prophet. And then 38, he's down worshiping Christ. Right. right? As a son of God. And so we just see this narrative progression, kind of like the woman at the well in John 4. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's crazy because he's he's killed of his blindness. Isaiah 35 told that the Messiah would do this. Mm. Um, but, his family and everybody really doesn't get it, right? Right. And there's this aspect, man, of kind of like our own lives. If you grew up in a place where there weren't a lot of Christians and you became a Christian and the eyes, the scales had come off your eyes and you weren't blind anymore, you realized who Christ was, people around people you were like, get bro, it. Why like, you? yo, why are you moving different <laughs> right, now, bro? Right, like, right. you talking different, <laughs> right? You don't do the same things you used to do, whatever. But we just see that Christ comes to open 
Blanas, and many of us who are here who are Christians know exactly what's that what that's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 so I think, man, at the end of the day, there's a type of physical blindness that he'll heal. That's just this backdrop of this larger point that that uh, right um, uh, uh, God wants to make through Christ, and so the Pharisees are going to get mad because. Jesus says, no, no, look, I've come into the world so that people wouldn't walk in darkness. darkness. And they're saying, yo, so are you trying to say that we're blind, right? So they're mad because they think he's uh, indicting them to judge them or cast them away. But Jesus ends off and says, no, 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 look, 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 look. If you were really blind and you knew it, then you would cry out for help and your blindness would be removed. But, right, like you would be innocent or you would be kind of let off the hook in a sense if you were really blind. Jesus Mm. is saying, no, no, the problem is y'all are blind, but you say that you can see, right? You're insistent on walking in your blindness. And because of that pride, that's going to be your undoing. So Jesus is actually going to show like, no, listen, uh, humility, as it relates to his words, is really going to be the cure for spiritual blindness. And it was the mm. cure for all of us who said, Amen. all right, God, I don't know what I'm doing or where I'm going or how I should move. Would you open my eyes and let me see you? And yeah, that's an excellent prayer, not for us just to pray at the front end of this walk, but at every step through yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, man, if 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 nine is talking about this kind of spiritual sight that we get, right. uh, 10 is going to talk about this security. Right. And mm. so uh, he's going to say, man, truly, I tell you, I am the gate of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Right. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. So, again, Christ is going to come with these I am statements. Right? right. Going back to Exodus three, showing that he is God. Right. But he is, like you said, John, finishing the sentence. Right. Right. Um, and so, man, all throughout Israel's history, <clears throat> the leaders were characterized as shepherds. So all throughout the Bible, you'll see Abraham was considered a shepherd, David, right. Moses, all these people were considered shepherds, not uh, just because they had sheep, but literally because they were caring in some ways for the flock of God. Right. right? They were leaders of the flock of God. And you think about Ezekiel 34, where the prophet is going to go in about yeah. the shepherds and elders and leaders who are unjust, right, who are exploiting the sheep, right? right? And God is going to turn up. And what we're going to see is in that same passage, he's like, yo, one, the Old Testament will say like Yahweh is the ultimate shepherd. Right. right? But also he says, yo, David is going to come shepherd y'all in the last days. Right. This is the David that he was talking about that was coming to shepherd his people in the last days. Christ is the leader that no other leader could ever be. Right. Right. And then precisely why, though? Because he lays down his life for the sheep. Right. Right. He doesn't exploit the life of the sheep. He lays down his life for the sheep, Mm. which is something that is mind boggling. Right. Considering the history of Israel. And he says something so beautiful. He says, yo, a thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. Talking about the enemy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. John 10.10 is one of the most notoriously uh, taken out of context passages I've ever read that in Philippians 4. But, you know, one of the things that Christ is saying here, man, is that uh, eternal life doesn't just start at death. Right. 
but it extends past death. That's good. Right? Yeah. Right. It doesn't. We think of it as starting later. Right. Right. But Christ says it starts now. Right. And extends forever. Yeah. Right. And Christ is saying, I'm coming to bring you guys that I'm coming to bring eternal life. Right. This is in, in, in theological terms, inaugurated eschatology. Right. The end has come forward. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is which is hard to wrap our mind around, minds around. But in some sense, Christ is saying, yo, I've come as the good shepherd to right. give you guys life and no one can take you out of that life. Right. Yeah. John chapter 11, right? We're going to hit the seventh sign of the yep. the the book and it's this. Jesus gets news, Lazarus is sick, right? So we talk about how Christ came so that we would have life and life to the full and people yep. tend to assume that that means that our life is just going to be this like a uh, graph that ascends uh, to the right that it is just Mm. Oh, man, things are just going to get better and better and better and better and better. He finds out that his friend, right, his friend that he loved dearly is sick. And what yep. he tells his disciples is this won't end in death. Right. But after Jesus gets this news, he mm. stays where he is for a few more days. Yep. And then he heads there. Right. Uh Lazarus died in those few days. So in the story, folks are going to say, man, Jesus, if you just would have been on time, if you just came a few days earlier, he would have been healed. Right. The reason why this is important is because throughout the Bible, everywhere prophets healed people, they healed them in proximity. Right. So bring them to me and I'll heal them. You yeah. remember at the end of John four? When the mm -hmm. centurion says, yo, come and heal, Jesus says they're healed. And he heals from a distance in a way that folks, yeah, yeah, yeah couldn't. So yeah. Jesus could have said, Lazarus be healed, right? Jesus didn't have to actually go there. So yeah. this is just like, this helps to set the scene mm. in that Jesus promised that it wouldn't end in death but a promise of a happy ending doesn't mean there won't be a troublesome journey, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's key that's because good, Jesus is not just going to use Lazarus as an object lesson. He's actually gonna live that, right? He's, he's gonna say, no, no, no. I'm going to raise from the dead, right? I'm going to uh, make things right. There's gonna be a happy ending, but the journey that Christ takes is a painful one and so they mm. get there and throughout the story yo everybody misunderstands what jesus is trying to do um mm. yeah there's there's so much that we can go into but yeah 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 yeah, time one, starting. yeah, yeah. man one of the things i just want to say is kind of like you said both of the sisters martha and mary asked the same question right lord or say the same thing lord if you had been here my brother wouldn't have died right right and when Martha says it, she still has good, she has pretty good theology. She's right. like, yo, he was like, um, yeah, she's like, if you wouldn't have been able to die, but I know that, you know, he will rise at the resurrection in the last day, right. right? And Jews in the first century had this concept that, yo, in the last day, all the righteous will rise. And so right. like, man, that's, I guess that's my hope for, la for last, bro. He's gone. <laughs> right. And Jesus said to her the most astounding claim that has ever been uttered by human lips. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Right. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. In fact, everyone who lives and believes in me will never 
die. Do you believe this? Again, don't miss. <laughs> I, 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 tend, I hesitate to do this, but it's so good. Yeah. Can't miss the clapback in the original language. <laughs> right, right, right. When he says, whoever believes in me will never die. The word there, never, is a double negative. Right. Right. So th- it's hard to get across in English because we don't speak in double negatives, right? We're taught right. not to speak that way. But in Greek, it's saying not not and then die is in the subjunctive mood right that's the mood of possibility right so in other words he's saying it is absolutely not even possible right you will die if you believe in me now right and then he leaves the question hanging out there do you believe this right and that is just the, the most profound statement that anybody could ever make right and we see that when he raises Lazarus, bro, like you said, it's the seventh sign. Um, it's prefiguring his own resurrection. Which is going to be the eighth sign. Right. But right. it's also prefiguring our resurrection. Right. Right. And so Paul, is. he talks about glory a ton. And Paul is going to, when he starts to talk about the resurrection, you know what he'll say it is? Jesus being glorified. Mm. Right. And so in other words, God's glory is best seen in in the death of Christ is seen, but it's also most seen in the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection right. of the saints. Amen. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, one of the things that I don't want to miss in this is yeah. in the introduction, we have to remember, right? Jesus has kind of, uh, you know, been away for some time as he's traveling. So mm-hmm. in him um, healing Lazarus, he's making his way back to Jerusalem where he will be killed, right? So it's like he comes in and raises somebody from the dead and it's supposed to right, be this subtle thing where he's saying, no, no, listen, I'm gonna experience the same fate as Lazarus, but in the same way that he got up from the grave, I'm gonna get up from the grave and I'm never gonna go back in in the same way like you said, right? that Jesus gets up from the grave. So what Jesus did Mm -hmm. uh, in his death for us is one of a kind in that nobody else is ever going to have to die for the sins of the world. Nobody else could. But what he does in his resurrection is in some ways, not just one of a kind, but the first of his kind, right? Mm -hmm. That what he's saying is what he's done is what everybody that puts their trust and faith in him can expect to Mm -hmm. take place. And it changes our outlook on death. Death is no longer something that's final. And once our outlook on death changes, uh, then so does our outlook on this life, right? We realize that we can spend it in such a way that's meant to bring God glory. And chapter yeah. 12 ends the first half of the book, the the book of these signs. And then chapter 13 uh, is going to get into what's called the book of glory. And it's mm-hmm. going to show, right, this last week of Christ's life on his way to being glorified on the cross. Mm, Yep. The lifting up of Jesus focuses, Christ is going to use his language. My hour has come. My hour has come. At first he was saying all throughout the first 12 chapters, my hour's not yet here, bro. Chill out, chill out, chill out. (laughs) (laughs) But now he's like, my hour has come, right? It's time for me to go die and be slain for the sins of the world. And the glory of the cross here in John shows and highlights that God is going to be glorified because of the sons, yeah. the person of the son, his obedience to the father, mm. right? Christ obeys to the uttermost 
in a way that none of it, we we can't even do the simple stuff like be kind to our spouse. <laughs> right, 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 right. And Christ comes and dies for his bride, right? Amen. Like the ultimate obedience to God the Father so all of us could be saved. Amen. Last thing. All right. Yeah. The hour. One of the things that I love about John is he's going to use this to talk about his right death. And what I love is that um, even talking about what will be the most horrendous suffering that a human mm -hmm. would have to face on this earth, Jesus is going to use this concept of my hour. And I think what he helps to see is suffering, right? However terrible um, is never by accident, right? There is an appointment. It filters through the hands of God and there's something that God's going to use it for. We'll understand it in hindsight, but I mean, man, I just a special word maybe to anybody that may feel themselves like, man, what I've gone through in this life or what I'm currently starting to go through right now feels senseless. It feels hard and I just can't make sense of it. And I just want you to know, even if you can't make sense of it, um, it doesn't mean that it's senseless. It just means that you don't understand all of what God's doing. And someday God will make sense of it. He's going to redeem every ounce of it. No suffering will be wasted. We see it in the life of Christ and in the same way uh, that our lives trail his in death and resurrection, uh, we can be confident that God is going to do something about our suffering in the future. Amen. Yeah. All right, let's yeah, pray. pray. Yeah. God, I pray that you would give us the uh, courage to trust you in the midst of the hardest times. Would you remind us that a promise of a happy ending doesn't always mean that it's going to be a smooth journey. But if we're in your hands, we can be sure that we're absolutely safe at every step along the way. It's in Jesus name we pray. 